and good evening. Welcome to the old school. This is the slightly garrulous uh, Ross Miller along with Dr. Stephen Bourgeois. Uh, we are here to discuss education issues and uh, problems therein and possible solutions if anyone's interested. Um, good evening, Dr. Hair Dr. Bourgeois. Hey, Dr. Miller. How the heck are you? <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> You're kind of slack-eyed and silly. What have you been doing today? Happy Father's Day. Happy uh, birthday. I don't celebrate birthdays, by the way. Um, I stopped that years ago. In fact, yeah. anything that has holiday after it, I really <laughs> kind of rebel. You, you know that. Yes. Um, it, it, it goes way back, but uh, I don't want to get into the psychology behind it. But the, <laughs> my birthday does fall very close. I was born on Father's Day. Can you believe that? You, you, it were, you were destined to be a father. I guess so. And so I try to combine the the two holidays to get them over with, and it doesn't usually fly. What happens that you disagree with? What happened that I disagree with holidays? No, as far as like you, you're saying that you've tried to combine the two so as to minimize the suffering. And I'm just wondering what happens that prolongs the suffering for you? Well, uh, one time I asked that my birthday present be that we wouldn't celebrate Father's Day or conversely, you know, yeah. basically to, but, um, but it doesn't work. Yeah. No, so, I, what did I, you do, so what did you do today then? Well, we had birthday cake um, and we had a meal. That's what kind of meal? Um, we had sandwiches. It was actually a picnic. And I, I hesitated to, to quote Yogi Bear or something. I, I kept it. You know, away from that, but eventually I made my Yogi Bear joke. I did. I had a chance. And that joke being? No, no, it's 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 not appropriate for for this audience. <laughs> hey, woo woo! <laughs> Stop right there. <laughs> um, but that was it. So we had sandwiches, and I made a what Reuben kind of sandwich? sandwich? I made a Reuben sandwich. Um, you made a Reuben sandwich. Yeah, the Germans say Reuben, don't they? Something like that. Reuben. Oh, yeah, go with that. Sure. Why not? Um, what was on? You did follow the traditional path to making the Reuben sandwich. With, with the Russian dressing? For example. Well, no, I, I, I find that a little bit similar to what they put on hamburgers, you know, like In-N-Out Burger. So I, what? I went a different direction. I wanted to take something really good and, and ramp it up a little bit. You know, this is the problem with our generation. We think everything needs to be ramped up. And we don't have an appreciation for... The classic. What did you do to ramp it up? Well, it didn't it didn't take much. I mean, I I use a lot of butter on the. I use Jewish rice, and I'm not I'm not messing okay, around. Okay, that's a good start. Yeah, Jewish rice, actual butter on there. I got the. I use pastrami. I mean, I know you can use other. Can use corned beef. You can yeah. use pastrami. It's fine. Yeah. So, but I got the pastrami all happy. Got it hot, and then I I, I put on some. I use cheddar cheese, and I know that's. Sacrilegious. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you you broke up just then. I could have swore I heard you say you used cheddar cheese on your it, Reuben. It, it was sharp cheddar cheese, but it, Good God. It, you need to listen to the whole story because it kind of fits. It complements what I did with it. Um, yeah. So you have butter on one side down. Yes. Um, you put a sharp cheddar on it. Um, then you take your happy pastrami, put it on there. A little bit of sauerkraut, which is also happy, meaning hot. Okay. Um, and then instead of your boring, I mean, traditional Russian dressing, which is basically Thousand Island with a asterisk or something, 
I went for ranch dressing that was actually spicy ranch. So it was, it was looked the same, but it had a little bit of zing to it. And then I finished it up with sharp cheddar. You're an affront to thousands of years of delicatessen eating. I mean, why not just put peanut butter on it? No, no. I mean, why not just put Nutella? I mean, you if you're just going to get crazy. No, if you, if you had have tasted it, it was quite good. I um, mean, you, you need to get out of your rut. Um, it's, been it's not a rut. Right? It's called tradition. It's called the way you make a bloody Reuben. Okay. So I'm, I'm waiting for that invitation. When you make me a Reuben sandwich, I'll, I'll try okay. it your way. I will do it. All right. Very good. As it happens, I too had sandwiches today. Okay. So we, we get into summer and we, there's no more talking about school. We're going to talk, talk culinary um, excursions. As it God were. knows we could spend some time talking about culinary excursions. Well, uh, because my but, wife asked me, my wife asked me, what do you want to eat? Yeah, And here's the problem. When people ask that question, I think secretly they want something a bit complicated or at least uh, time consuming to do because that kind of accentuates how much they care about you. If they're willing to, you know, spend some time in the kitchen. Me, I just want a sandwich. My favorite meal is a sandwich. You get some bread, you get some meat, you get some vegetables. Bob's your uncle. You're done. That's all you got to do. It's the simplicity of a sandwich that makes it so brilliant. So it's that's the perfect you food. That's you had a sandwich. Uh, had a sandwich. So, okay. That's it. No story. I gave a real colorful story about what I, what I made. And you just said, I had a sandwich with meat on it. <laughs> well, first of all, my story probably would not be as interesting because I, unlike you, held on to a certain amount of decorum, tradition, um, and just, just a general respect for history. You, on the other hand, flew in the face of all that's holy, and you put cheddar and ranch on it was a ranch. It was not ranch. It was a spicy ranch, so it resembled in the same color palette of Russian. But with As the great of philosopher Sarah Palin once said, you can put lipstick on a oh, pig, gosh. it's still a pig. <laughs> I never thought Sarah Palin would make it to our podcast. We, we might have to delete portions of this. I bet we will. Uh, it, it, it went south and we never even got started. Um, what so, she liked in some skills, she made up for with colorful metaphors. So it's it's going in that direction. I worried about this. So what are we talking about? I'm going to put you on the spot because I have no idea where this conversation started or is going. Well, I want to talk about elementary schools. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been in one no i, I never go to, i never go into one there's something about it i get the heebie-jeebies once i cross the threshold it's almost like i'm you know i'm entering holy land and i'm a very unholy individual so i just i i i i think their ways are strange and i i don't understand i don't understand that group of folks probably in much the same way they don't understand us more yes, you than me. More you than me, though. They, they don't probably understand. don't understand you. Well, they certainly don't. And but you've been to parent nights. I mean, your daughter's in elementary school, early elementary yes. school. Have you been to a, a parent-teacher night where they actually assemble and you get to meet the teacher in in their in their natural habitat? Yes, but there is nothing natural beyond the habitat, really, of the whole event, because it is a dog and pony show, much in much the same way as when 
who, whatever parents show up at my open house thing at the high school level, because mostly at that time, the parents have checked out there, nor should they probably, I don't know, maybe they should, but, um, but most of them are like, listen, we did the bit with the parent night and what have you in elementary school. Really, you should be knowing what you're doing here. You know, a good, healthy parent relationship with the school is to start backing off, certainly by high school, if not by middle school. You're saying you don't want to see parents. Well, no, I don't want to see him parents, but I'm just saying, I, I, I wonder about the motivation of going to a parent conference night or, or an open house. You know, if your motivation is simply just to meet me, well, that's fine. Oh, I get that. If, if if there's something else there, then I, that's when the questions begin. Well, you don't like get hate mail. I mean, usually it's a pretty, um, I guess, a kind crowd you're dealing with. Um, for more or less, yes. I, we, Lord knows, we've had <laughs> some strange ones well, <laughs> over the years, but uh, yeah, but those those nights. But you know, my impression of of the elementary is it is a bigger deal. I mean, they come prepared. They, I mean, they're reading often from a script. It's not like they're just talking from the hip. No, no, no. I, I would never say or do or utter anything that would disparage the professionalism and the preparedness of. Uh, elementary teachers because they are rock solid and they got their stuff together. I now, having said that, yeah, oh, you, you know, <laughs> you never you ignore everything before the butt, right? <laughs> having said that, the idea about where to send your kid, and I struggled with this. Where to send her? I mean, why not the school in your neighborhood where you, you're a teacher in the district? You actually thought yes. about taking her out of your district where you're employed? Not necessarily out of the district as opposed to going into another district. Because she was going to go into a public high school or public school system. It would be the district in which I teach and in which we live. But the question also had to do with, well, there's two other ideas. One is the classical model, which we have spoken of before. We spoke to the very charming, intelligent, and uh, um, uh, passionate uh, Dr. Stevens uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, so there's, there was that model that we thought about. And we also thought about the Montessori model in, you know, in lieu of a traditional elementary education, because what I worried about, well, what I worried about is what we ended up having a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago. And that is the idea of at a very early age, already having administrators, teachers talking about standardized testing. And so, you know, I thought maybe a different mindset would not be a bad idea here. The problem is there's we have a dearth of credible alternatives with which to choose from. And so she ended up at the district elementary school down the street. That's, that's not a, a glowing review of, of the, the school. Listen, the people it, it, at that you school took it there by default. Um, I mean, there, there, there's a, a Catholic school in the neighborhood. There is. You, you didn't do that. There, there are Lutheran schools, lot, lot, lots of options. Yes. And you, you sound like you settled in the district where you're employed. Well, the thing is, is that I think, you know, as far as the, the classical model, the classical model banner is being upheld by, uh, uh, how should I put this? a rather stringent <laughs> religious group and it's fine, whatever, you know, <laughs> you like the baby Jesus. That's fine with me. I'm cool with it. You know, fine. You know, but 
um, there was <laughs> some concern about, about how, what that would look like. You know, would our kids start preaching to us at, you know, age seven, you know, mm-hmm. dad, you, papa, you're really out of line here. You know, do you know Jesus as your personal savior? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> you so, know, we're, we're not going to be able to use any of this. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not disparaging anything. I'm simply saying these were some of the things that we wrestled with. <laughs> and, then, and, then Montes- and then in Montessori school, what's the, yeah. what's the reputation of Montessori school? I don't know. It's just I, running rampant. No, they're not. It's, it's, it's quite controlled rampant running I mean, they give them lots, they give them lots of choices i mean it, it aligns with our motivational theory where they're, they're they're choosing what to do they're following their interest they're eventually gaining independence mm. they also have have tasks to do jobs you know where mm. they, they're in charge of certain certain things and then they get to make choices of their interest um, here's the number one problem with montessori school it does not go to graduation and i'm not talking about the silly graduation after you've completed first grade gosh ross because you're, you're now disparaging the first grade <laughs> that's just silly i mean the whole thing is silly they play anyway, pop and circumstance um, so I, you're saying I, it doesn't have legs once you it's good for maybe early elementary when, when does monastery lose the charm I think, well, it's not, it's not necessarily that they lose the charm. I just think they don't go beyond a certain point. Often they and do. They grade out. You're right. Yeah. And so the question is, how easy of an adjustment is it for a kid who has been born and bred and raised and trained in the Montessori model to then be thrown into the chaos and the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the pale male existence of Lord of the flies in a public classroom, you know, how easy, how easy is that to transition? So, so what do you think happens in a public school elementary classroom? Well, listen, my experience has been very good, competent, um, exciting teachers who love their kids and my kid loves them. And so, you know, but I was looking at this without that experience. You know, and I still question it because <clears throat> last month, the last month before the school year. So our local school district, a district that shall for the time being remain nameless to protect the innocent so, yes. and protect our jobs. <laughs> so but um, but uh, the school suggested a kind of a hybrid math program that would be introduced at second grade. A hybrid. And, What's yes, a hybrid? Okay, well, here's what happens. So next year, my daughter, who no one has ever confused for a math wizard, but somehow managed to to pass the test. You insult her dancing ability now, her math, math, and it's just because she's a girl. Is that what you're getting at? Well, that's unfair. That's not nothing to do with it. Well, I mean, it's it's like a cheap insult. So, so continue. She's she is never she is never when I what I mean is is she is never. She's never presented herself and she's never kind of announced herself as someone who really, really loves math. Now, she doesn't have a moral stance against it, but she just she's not really shown that math is her thing. And I don't even know what math being your thing is in the first grade looks like anyway. But I digress. So she so next year she will do second grade math plus half a third. And then the next year after half a third, half a fourth. And then it just goes on till I think in the eighth grade, they will do pre-AP geometry. And by the time they're in ninth grade, they'll be doing um, physics in college. 
calculus, whatever, you know. So they're something, they're accelerating something with, something with numbers and letters in the exercise. I don't know. Okay, so so you're concerned that they're accelerating her to keep her challenged. I don't mind the idea of the challenge or the acceleration. My issue was twofold. One was in the initial in the initial PowerPoint for the for the for the uh, spiel. They talked about the word pathway. Already, that's an yes. eighth grade term I yes. mean, for their career. Yes. And they, okay, so. Continue. So in that's second grade, I'm sitting here having to think about the word pathway. Now, in my perspective, on my end of things, pathway. It's a bad word because pathway is something that pigeonholes kids. And I've had students tell me it's very difficult to get out of a pathway once you start. And so the first thing I had to do was to make sure, listen, if I, if I decide as my kid's parent, I'm fairly sure I'm her parent, that if I, if I decide that I don't think this is good for her emotionally, you know, metaphysically, whatever the case may be, intellectually, she gets pulled out, you know. No more math. Well, not no more math, but no more of this hybrid business. She'll be in regular math. Because what I don't want is I don't want her to have math beaten into her to the point where she doesn't like it. Because to me, everything should be wide open. And here's my other issue with pathways. My other issue with pathways, and I don't know how many school districts do this around the country, is it maybe it's a Texas thing? I, 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 I would surmise that it's not, that it's seen elsewhere. But the idea, because the whole idea of public school from zero to 12, and I know there's no zero grade, but from one, first grade to 12th grade is supposed to be an exercise in exploration. An exploration into the kind of things you might be interested in, getting exposed to things that maybe ordinarily you would not be exposed to, and just a whole litany of things that you know, that you could, that you could experience and you could potentially enjoy, and it might help craft which way you want to go occupational wise after you leave high school. And what we've done is we've taken that, we've thrown it away. And instead, what we've done is we've created a system that as early as the second grade, these kids are being put into pathways. And guess what else happens here, Dr. Bourgeois? I'm curious. This kid who spends all of his time, all of her time in math classes, over time, you start to hear students say the following, I'm a math person, or I'm a science person, or I'm, well, no one's ever said I'm a history person, but you know, that, you know, the the idea that. (laughs) (laughs) That's what this is about, that there's no history pathway in your, in your. Well, there's a, and here's the thing, it would, if it was more organic, I could kind of understand it. But the thing is, this is contrived because the whole STEM thing is about setting kids up to go into six figure income jobs. And because history, strangely enough, and the poor schmucks who teach it are not destined for professions that pay a lot, that does not get emphasized. That does not get talked about, you know? And so STEM is supposedly now everything. Girls are being shamed into going into history and literature because now they're supposed to be going into history, going into math and science. And boys, you know, whatever, you know, the idea is that these kids are not being encouraged on any level to pursue kind of a a humanities course. And it has a lot to do with the money that they're expected to make. And parents make decisions along the way just based upon that kid being able to get into the best job that they can get into. 
And so therefore, what classes should they take to prepare themselves for university? What happened to the exploration? But in the second grade, they talk pathways and the other word, SAT. SAT already. Well, SAT in the second grade. Now, there's a bunch of parents. The line forms to the left of parents who are already thinking when their kid's in first grade about the SAT. I just want my kid to dig learning first before the joy is crushed out of her existence because of various standardized tests. And I worry about this. And this is one of the reasons why we debated about sending her to an option other than a public elementary school. Well, it sounds like you're craving something that in the business is called a, a grammar school, which Explain that. gives a, a foundation in, in reading and, and literature and, and a little bit of math, but, but not to the point where they're neglecting something else. And uh, I think some students will maybe enjoy math at that age, but I, I don't know that they're going to call themselves a, a specialist or get too excited about it. Um, right. Don't you worry that they would burn out you know, with, with time and a half in math? Well, I mean, and, and of course, that's the other thing as well. But I mean, I think, yes, burnout is possible. I think the identification of, of someone as a math person, I think that tends to happen around middle school. I think things are still a little bit too fuzzy in elementary school for that kind of self-identification. But I think in the latter years of middle school is where you start seeing kids who are being told repeatedly, repeatedly, that they are, you're great at math, you're going to do this hybrid math thing. And so this drumbeat of conditioning is based upon trying to convince this kid that they're all about math. And at some point, everything else falls by the wayside. You know, and I just, I, I get frustrated by it. What, you know what we need to do? Here's what we need to do. Herr Dr. Bourgeois, we need elementary school teachers on this podcast. We need to do an elementary school teacher roundtable. Roundtable with us? Um, yes. We've never, well, I mean, I've, I've observed a lot of elementary schools wearing a suit, you know, standing there with my arms crossed looking officious yeah uh over an over officious jerk in the in the elementary classroom it's not, not it they, they they sometimes are prepared and they say good morning here dr bourgeois and it's so cute yes um, do they do they make them stand up uh, i do um <laughs> I, I say now if this were in germany you would stand at this point Yes. Um, we tried that. I, try, I tried it in my class a few times and it didn't, and? It didn't stick. It didn't, uh -huh. didn't hold. They, they wouldn't do it. Um, but, um, well, there, there's something to that. But I think, you know, before we start inviting uh, all these um, teachers into our podcast, um, let's think about the, some reasons why they're, they're having this, this pathway. Uh, there's a real crucial pathway, which is to get into college. Right. And, and the research out there, the most, the, the strongest predictor of, you know, getting into college, you know, better college is any, any college is, do you take algebra one in the eighth grade? Yes or no. And if you do, it means that you're a, a little bit more advanced and you're probably going to take the advanced courses across 
the curriculum and you're going to get into a good college. And so they're trying to push kids ahead so that by the time they get to that eighth grade, there's no doubt they have a critical mass of students who are ready to, to, to jump ahead. So I think that's, that's part of it. Um, but I, I would hope that it's based on research, you know, that they're, they're coming up with this. I mean, what, what other motivation would a district have to do that? It's stacked research. It's what kind? It's, it's a stacked research. It's a self-fulfilling prophe- uh, prophecy of research designed to support the direction they're going and the direction that parents demand. Now, I understand from an economic point of view why, why it benefits a parent to have their kid knock out, quote unquote, college classes before they graduate. Because that's money saved. And that's not a capricious concern for parents to have. You know, the idea of a good school. I want you to tell me the value of a good school. I want you to tell me the traits and qualities of a good school. Because one of the things that we have seen, and you understand this, over the last several decades, is a growth in the cost of universities without a growth in the quality of universities. And all these kids with their bright, shiny college diplomas with no job. Okay. So to me, you know, I went to a directional school. That's just the way I rolled. What, you know? what, what do you call that? What is it? A directional school. I went to a direction. I went to Northeast Louisiana University, a very fine institution. You never told me this before. Directional yes, school. Yes, directional schools. What does that mean? Well, it just means it's a school that's identified by a certain segment of the state in which it lies. That still doesn't make a damn bit. Northwest. Middle Tennessee, Southwest Missouri State A and M, in Chicago, whatever I don't know, just what just these kind of multi qualifiers that a that the name of a college would have that limits it to a particular small segment of a otherwise larger geographical area, i.e., a state. Those places are just as fine than sitting there going through hoops and jumping through hoops. I guess you jump through hoops, you go through whatever, I don't know. But going through all this mess to go to Yale or to go to Harvard or to go to Princeton or Brown or Dartmouth or Stanford, whatever. Okay. <laughs> so you can't tell me that my education was appreciably negligent in comparison to, <laughs> except for the, except for the, you know, the reputation that you can walk around with your Harvard degree. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I find it problematic. I find this overemphasis on colleges to be elitist on some level because you get a bunch of people sitting around a conference room who all went to college and who are sitting there discussing we need to convince these kids that they need to go to college so they too can have a happy life like me sitting in a conference room talking about college. <laughs> you know, my, now my path to college is a little bit different. I went through the military, you know, but, you know, it, it's, it, it, it comes across as elitist. It comes across as, um, yeah, elitist. And I, and I think it's problematic. 
And this is another, we need to save this for another podcast. This is another podcast. This, this fetish that public schools have about universities that does not seem to jive with the effect and the quality that one gets from universities. We need to talk about this at a later time, but right now, right now, maybe we just, maybe we just invite elementary school teachers to come in to talk about, because we don't know. I mean, you, you showed up for an observation and observations by their definition kind of create dog and pony shows. You and I don't have a really, I mean, do you feel like you have a really good sense of what's happening in the elementary classroom? I've been in hundreds of them. I mean, I, I, I walk in and, and get a feel for the, the climate. Um, I like to watch the, not just the teacher teach. I learn just as much watching them give a test and watch how they handle the transitions and, and look at the students, you know, look at the, the room itself to see, you know, how structured it is. Sure. Um, and, but, but there's, there's a lot you, you can learn, but mm-hmm. every once in a while you see great teaching. And I think the, the part that we've never discussed is just how in, incredibly talented elementary teachers are, you know, to manage a classroom. Amen. Yeah. I mean, we, we can, we, older kids scare, you know, we can scare them pretty easily and they, they do what we want, but with elementary, it's all about a system. And I give them grief, you know, about doing these color coded behavior systems. You know, you're on a yellow, you're on a green, you're on a red and giving punishments for a full class of students. And I, you know, I'm saying, well, that's not theoretically grounded. You're not, you're going to undermine their intrinsic motivation. I'd like to hear what elementary schools teachers have to say about that because they're probably going to say, well, you've never taught, you know, at that level <laughs> and, and we're, we're fighting for our lives here and, and yes. we, we can't do some of these things. Um, but, but I do think that the focus on SAT, I, I couldn't agree more that, that it's, it's, it's so early and by all accounts, SAT is going to go away as a, you know, it's certainly not a great predictor of college anyway. Right. Um, but I, you know, I'd, I'd be open to it. I, I think we would embarrass ourselves certainly because they would, they, they would handle us pretty easily. You know, whatever questions we have, I think. I mean, maybe that's the, maybe that's the point here. I mean, yeah. as the, as the great uh, Ted Lasso said, you know, be curious, not judgmental. Well, no. what Whitman said it, but you know, you get the idea. And I think it's, I think it'd be great just to come from a point of curiosity because Again, this is not our lane typically, you know, and so it would be great to kind of hear from them. What exactly are they feeling they facing? What are they dealing with? What is it like to do their gig? I think we could do that if we just ask that one question. What's it like to teach elementary school? And then we just listen. Yeah. Um, The problem is we're always trying to be funny. And um, somehow you'll, you'll start talking about, I, I don't know what, you know, your experience in fifth grade or infatuated with your teacher or something. I don't know what, what you'll bring up, but it's going to be one teacher that was cute and drove a Corvette. And in 1974, that was a big deal. And I had this other teacher who was mean. Her name, her name was Mrs. No. Imagine that Mrs. No. And she had a paddle with holes in it. I'm not making this up. They used to beat you. I know you were, I know you grew up in that, touchy feely hippie wonderland of Oregon, but in the rest of the country, they were beating the crap out of children in you elementary hit, school. You were hit by a teacher named Mrs. No. Mrs. No. And in my <laughs> third grade mentality, she was six foot eight. And she okay. had she and she had an arm 
<laughs> like Ichiro. And she would, and the worst thing about the paddles with the holes in it is that you could hear it coming and you could do nothing about it. This happened to you personally. You, you, yes. Uh, I don't beat the crap out of me. And here's the other thing. <laughs> Every day at lunch, yeah. she ate tuna fish sandwiches. I have not been able to handle tuna fish since then because she yelled at me and it's wafting of tuna fish. I, just, I can't, I can't, it's a, it's a psychological scar. That I carry with me to this very day. It explains why you were disparaging my Reuben sandwich earlier. There's, there's something now, your goes. Reuben sandwich was an affront to centuries of delicatessen oh. artistry and craftsmanship. Yes. You're talking about Mrs. No or Dr. No or Mr. Ichiro <laughs> or whatever you said. Uh, and you're confusing them all. And you kind of created a story of your youth. Uh, just don't go there. If we invite some nice elementary teachers. I'm not, I'm not going to bring it up. Yeah. Although it would be funny to ask, if you could, would you hit your kids? Would you paddle them? No, you don't ask that. It's It's not. Well, I guess it's Maybe still before. on the books. It's still on the books. In it's some still on the books technically in some places, but but, but not here, not where we no, are. No. Uh, there would be lawsuits, and you know, I mean, they would know better. But if you lead, you could lead with that question. <laughs> if you could get your kids, would you <laughs> make making it clear that it's an attempt to be funny? Okay, if you. Maybe well, I don't know, or maybe I won't say it. Maybe we'll just talk about it before the broadcast, and then do, and then go from there. I've I've never been so worried about a podcast. <laughs> it's just going to be great. So you have some people in mind. You don't just bring this stuff up innocently. You have some actual elementary. I have teachers. actual, honest to goodness, elementary school teachers live and in person could be on this very podcast. Well. Podcast, podcast, podcast. This is, this is going to go south in a hurry, but I shouldn't uh, have drank before this started. That's, that's my problem. Yes. Uh, among other things. Well, we'll, we'll do it. You you round them up. Uh, All right. I, I'll act as moderator and you'll go for cheap laps or whatever. You, I know. We, we can be co-moderators. Co-moderators with how many are we going to invite? Say three. Three. So there'll be five voices on here. Yes, we do need to scale. We need to. We do need to scale back our attempt to try to be funny. You're pontificating. But, uh, you mean? Yeah, my pontificating. Well, no, I, I tell. I, I do little jabs here and there, you know, <laughs> and kind of weave and so forth. Yeah. Um, it's not easy I, being the talent, you know. Well, you you bring them. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll bring them. I'll, I'll I'll invite them and see what they say. They already know you, so they know your ways and and. Well, one does. I, one does. The other, one, the other ones know me probably by name, but uh, and reputation, and reputation, perhaps. Okay. So, all right. Um, well, I'm off to vacation. <laughs> that explains a lot. So you're actually going to leave me here. You'll be back next week, won't you? I'll be back next week. Well, well, well yeah, we're, we're we're devoted to this. Okay. Well, we'll spare our listeners about your vacation until you get back. Yes. I'm sure you'll act very refreshed. Um, when you're about I'll be brimming with life. Uh, and is this the our, our next this is like a tease. Are we gonna have elementary teachers next time? Can you make it happen? I don't know about next time. I don't want but to spend it, a whole hour talking about your vacation. <laughs> either next week or the week after. I think we can do this though. Okay. So we'll we'll talk, we'll just speculate. At a time um, of our choosing, there will be three elementary school teachers here in this podcast. Uh, and some undescript uh, future date. Okay. But soon. And for the rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, it is Sunday night and we're out. Have a great week. And again, happy birthday. Happy Father's Day. Hair Dr. Bourgeois. Um, same to you without the birthday. Hair Miller. <laughs>